and welcome to the Carnage Report, where we bring you the latest on all things horror-related, keeping you up to date with the news you can use. I'm Julie Holland. And I'm Nick Spasic. The Carnage Report is part of the Cinepunks podcast family. Go to Cinepunks.com to find entertainment news, reviews, and other great podcasts like Horror Business, Twitch of the Death Nerve, and Tomb of Ideas. If you want to help support Cinepunks, and ultimately this show, you can become a Cinepunks Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash cinepunks, which is C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Also, please go check out these great sponsors like Essex Coffee Roasters. Essex Coffee Roasters offers specialty-grade coffee roasted to order for the most fresh and delicious home brewing experience. Essex is committed to accessible, quality coffees, offering education on coffee and brewing to all of their customers. Essex Coffee Roasters believes you don't have to be a coffee expert to enjoy a great cup of coffee. Right now, if you go to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com and you use the promo code CINEPUNKS, that is C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, you get 10% off your order. Another great sponsor, if you need any screen printing of any sort, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is the premier screen printing of the Lehigh Valley, but also maybe the world. They are personable, professional, and the only place where you can get punk rock attitude with professional service and printing. You can find them at XLVACX.com. It is now time for the setup um, for this episode's getting to know you question for something that ties into what we watched. Um, my question is, what is your favorite single segment of any horror anthology? This was difficult for me, not because there are so many, which there are, but because my memory organizes things in a way that make no sense. So like remembering a little snippet of an anthology. Great. I can do that. Remembering where I saw it, what it's called, what it's about, that was harder. So I had to do a bit of research to figure out, but I, and, and there were so many that I could have said, but what I have landed on is the something to tide you over section from creep show, which has Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. And uh, Ted Danson, I believe is sleeping with Leslie Nielsen's wife. And Leslie finds out that they obviously have character names, but that doesn't matter. Um, and, and Leslie Nielsen buries both Ted Danson and his wife up to their neck in the sand on the beach and waits for them to drown. And then they seek their revenge in a similar fashion on him. And I love that one because what a, what a strange place to see those actors. And also it's, it's scary and slightly funny and really dark. So it's a good time. It's How about you. Uh, mine is also from a Creepshow film, but it is from Creepshow 2, and it is the segment entitled The Raft. Um, that is about a bunch of folks who go swimming in a lake they shouldn't have. Um, it's just, I love it because it's so, it's, it's based on a um, Stephen King short story, and it manages to really get the vibe of the short story, and it, I'm a big fan of like good single location things where they're just like basically trapped on a raft and arguing, but it gets gruesome and gory and weird. And it's, it's probably my favorite segment of like, like definitely, like I, I don't know why it just, it just stands out so much. Is that the one where it's like a black mass? Yes. Coming like up? Very okay. psychedelic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Weird that we both chose kind of aquatic situations. <laughs> yeah, right. I always, I don't know about you, have like I have always wanted to like sit down and like put together like my favorite anthology segments, like and just see like cra craft like the perfect all killer no filler anthology film. Yeah, that would be awesome, and maybe really long but worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well and the the thing is it's like you you think about some and it's like you know the the school bus one from um trick-or-treat and it's like oh that's amazing but that's like a short film like it's it's almost yeah. like a solid half hour long yeah i really wanted to pick one from trick-or-treat because so much of that movie is my favorite but they all tie together so much that it was hard for me to like pull one out because they all are they all you know become a part of the bigger even though it is an anthology it's a really really connected anthology yeah yeah and, and like i mean there are so many <laughs> there are just so many uh and yeah i feel like we like just by picking two from creep show movies we've barely scratched the surface and there's probably somebody listening right now screaming um 
Like these aren't even the worst in those creep or even the best in those creep shows. <laughs> if you disagree or you have better ideas, let us know. Yeah, tell us, tell us. short quick little answer (laughs) but it works little episode yes just like an anthology yeah we don't have a whole lot of news this episode but that is what is up next it is our new nightmares roundup of trailers new to streaming coming to theaters boy we're in a drought we got a few things for you and the first is um the biggest um uh Meg 2, The Trench, will be hitting theaters August 4th, um, and they put out a trailer for it, uh, which is, it's like three minutes long. It's like the, one of the longest trailers I've ever seen. Um, it is uh, directed by Ben Wheatley, which blows my mind, starring, right? of course, Jason Statham. Um, let's, uh, I don't think it really has like a really great thing. Did you see the Meg? You know what this is. It's more of it. It's yeah. bigger. Um, it, it is. Um, man, it starts out with a Meg devouring a T Rex, like jumping out of the ocean to eat a T Rex. What more do you need? Goes from there. Did Did you see the Meg? I did. I don't. Re- strangely, I don't really remember it much. It's one of the. I think it's one of those movies that is very fun in the moment, but like yeah. Well, and it just and here's the other brain. thing. I think all of us went into the Meg being like, "Yeah, giant shark gonna eat a bunch of people." And in the preview for the Meg, because I was super excited about it, and I'm even more excited about Meg too. Um, you see a bunch of people. I think it's maybe in China, a beach just filled. The you know the swimming area just filled, and you're like, that shark is gonna eat all those people like a bowl of Cheerios. And then he doesn't. Spoilers. He does not eat all those people like a bowl of Cheerios. He doesn't eat nearly enough people to be called the Meg. And while it's a fun movie, it was a little disappointing in the eating people department. And I think Meg 2 The Trench is here to rectify that. It really looks like some creative shark eating. Yeah, there's a there's quite a bit of shark eating just in the trailer. Um, Yeah. Oh, who would have thought years ago seeing Jason Statham (laughs) in like various uh guy ritchie movies that he would become uh, a global action star right also every time i see the meg is on tv i'll click to it and be like "Ooh, i'll watch the meg and every single time completely unplanned the scene that is on when i click to it is jason statham opening the door to his boat room wearing nothing but a towel and then i'm like well now i feel pervy and i didn't mean for that to be the scene i opened it on it's just what was on when i clicked on it why do i keep looking at jason statham not my intention but i'm not mad at it (laughs) all right up next another new trailer this is another one i'm excited about god is a bullet i didn't even know anything about this till i so I'm actually going to read to you from my piece on Downright Creepy because <laughs> I didn't know anything about this till I got the email about it. Um, it's a new Micah Monroe, so already I'm in. I don't need more details. That's fine with me. Um, it will be in theaters June 23rd, so coming up. God is a Bullet follows Detective Bob Hightower, who finds his ex-wife murdered and his daughter kidnapped by an insidious cult. With the help of the cult's only female victim escapee, Case Harden, Bob and Case go down the rabbit hole with the ferryman, who's played by Jamie Foxx, to save his daughter and find closure for Case from the cult and its maniacal leader. That took so much away from her. Sorry, I read that really weird. But so it's a cult. It looks super brutal. They're giving people face tattoos against their will. Micah Monroe is like almost unrecognizable, but still amazing. And also Carl... Carl Glusman, who plays the maniacal leader of the cult, was in The Watcher with Mike Monroe. She oh. was he was her fiance or husband or whatever they were in that movie. I I've been hearing about this movie for 
God, it seems like a year and a half now. And I've been waiting for this trailer, like, for a really long time. I It looks really cool. I don't know what it is, but the the various scenes they took to, like, show, you know, like, the dialogue bits, it just seems... The delivery seems off, and I don't know if it's like one of those that'll make sense, like in the scene. But like pulling them all out, I'm just like, oh, like, and I know yeah. these people are really good, so I don't get it. Also, maybe worth noting that it's directed by Nick Cassavetes, who did the Notebook. Love it. So I don't know, and it's based on a novel. Maybe people have read. Yeah, that's. So... I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm I'm looking forward to it, regardless. Like. It should be fun. Yeah. All righty. Um, another movie based on a book. It Yay. is called Poor Things. It is based on a novel from 1992 by Alistair Gray. Um, and it stars in the movie directed by Yorgos Lanthimos um, of Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, it stars Emma Stone. And Willem Dafoe in its very Frankenstein-y. Uh, and uh, it tells this incredible tale and fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist Dr. Godwin Baxter. Godwin. Godwin. Right in there. Uh, <laughs> under Baxter's protection, Bella is eager to learn. Hungry for the worldliness she is lacking, Bella runs off with Duncan Wedderburn, a slick and debauched lawyer on a whirlwind adventure across the continents free from the prejudice of her times bella grows steadfast in her purpose to stand for equality and liberation um super interesting yeah it's just a teaser trailer so we don't get much but emma stone willem dafoe mark ruffalo imagery looks really amazing and it is rated r for strong and pervasive sexual content graphic nudity disturbing material gore and language hell yeah <laughs> That's what we like to hear. Just like ticking all the boxes. Yep. Check, check, check. Hopefully also, there's smoking in there too. Also, like the way, like the still that that ran with the article for this of uh, Willem Dafoe is just like. Whew. Yeah. If you think Willem Dafoe couldn't be creepier looking, he can. He is. He can. I'm very excited for this. Yeah. Looks like we'll get that in September. All right. Up next, a honestly. A kind of way less interesting trailer. This one is for Motion Detected. It's a smart home horror. And when I read that, I was like, that sounds interesting. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, that's not at all what I imagined it was going to be. Because I thought it would be more like people breaking in. But it's more, it seems like the house maybe is attacking. So here's the synopsis. Eva narrowly escaped being murdered during a recent terrifying home invasion in Mexico City. She and her husband decide to relocate to Los Angeles where she can recuperate. But when her husband has to travel for business, she's left alone in an unfamiliar place, suffering from paranoia. She's consoled by the smart home security system, but the technology is difficult to master and she starts to wonder if it will actually keep her safe or take over her life. But that's not what the trailer would indicate. The trailer is like the smart home is watching her to like, I don't know, learn about her dreams and her stress and her, you know, like, I don't know, the, like the house is watching her in, and it's supposed to be. So mm. it's not, it's not what the synopsis would suggest. Perhaps not uh, a very well cut trailer. Yeah. Or perhaps not a very well written synopsis. I don't know which is the case. Maybe both. Yeah. Um, You can check it out very soon because it will be on VOD, all the regular places, May 19th. Um, I'm not saying don't check it out. It could be good. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. The cast features stars from shows like Narcos Mexico and General Hospital, Chicago Med. So it's that vibe, you know. Yeah. Um. Also, speaking of things that I thought I was going to be, things about which I don't think I'm that excited. I thought I was going to be when they first announced Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai, um, the animated sort of like, prequel uh to the gremlins films um it is uh going to hit max because i believe by that point it will no longer be hbo max it will just be max on may 23rd that's uh a series um set in 1920s shanghai and tells the story of how 10 year old sam wing met the young mogwai called gizmo 
Um, man, it's it's got Ming Na Win, James Hong, BD Wong. Uh, like it's just like a really great cast, and I kind of like was excited about it. And then I watched this trailer, and I'm just like, I, I, no, no. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about it either. In theory, I like it, but it it really looks like it's for kids, which is fine. That's fine. <laughs> But but not in not in a way that I'm going to enjoy. Even though I loved Gremlins as a kid, yeah, Gremlins was for kids for me. Yeah, it's such a weird thing to think about the fact that like if you actually show Gremlins or Gremlins two to a small child, you are definitely risking the chance of scarring them <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> they could turn out like Nick and I. Yeah. But like, I feel like it. You show a kid this, and they're like, "Oh man, that's amazing!" Now I want to watch the movies. It's going to mess them up worse because, like, this is just like very bright and very loud. Like it, it is. It's the style of animation that I, where everybody talks like this, and hey, everybody's got really big, cute eyes. Mm -hmm. They actually look like on the on this poster, the children look a lot like the children in um the emperor's new groove mm. like that same disney big eye super adorable children thing yeah i really really want that like i was really kind of hoping that it would just be like creepy and weird like i was hoping i was hoping mm-hmm. for like you know monster house you know like that vibe yeah. where it's scary Surprisingly but it's fun. scary children's stuff yeah but it's it's also fun and i i don't know I also I, want them to answer the questions of like, how do the Mogwai regulate themselves in the wild? And I'm, it didn't kind of look like it was going to. Like, how do the Mogwai keep themselves from becoming gremlins if gremlins is what many of them want to become? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Because if, if they want to be it, then they would have taken over a long time ago. Exactly. Fill in these plot holes that gremlins never covered. Like, midnight <laughs> where? Answer that question. Yeah, like what happens if you're on the inter- if you cross the international date line, like if yeah. you go one way, like at like eleven fifty nine, does it change everything? I you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and and when when can you start feeding them again? Everything's after midnight. When does it become <laughs> before midnight? Is it like is it like one of those things that's like you know, five p.m. is depending on who you are, either early evening or late afternoon. Yeah. Like, can we feed them at 6 a.m.? Do we have to wait for daylight? I don't know. Maybe you'll answer some of these questions. Fingers yes. crossed. That's all I really want out of it. If it does that, it'll be a success. <laughs> yeah. All right. That wraps up our trailer. So now we just have a couple of bits of, we don't know much, but here's a little bit of news. Um, first being, we, you know that we super enjoyed Barbarian, Zach Krager's um, debut horror film. And we all knew that he had another one in the works. We still don't know anything about it at all other than he's calling it in the vein of Magnolia, I guess, because it'll be crammed with big actors, maybe. I don't know. Um, but the first big actor that we get to know about is America's sweetheart, the world's sweetheart, Pedro Pascal. He's here. He's going to, I'm sure, be something charming. It would be cool if he was like the villain, though. I don't yeah. think we've seen him get real creepy. That'd be cool. Um, and the film is called Weapons. I don't think I said that yet. Uh, so that's that's it. That's all the news. That's all we know. Um, but hey, what's not to love about that? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good first tease. Yeah. Um, back to in in further Willem Dafoe news. Um, he <laughs> has been named as the latest person to join the cast of Tim Burton's Beetlejuice Two which they have officially announced as coming out September 6, 2024. It's going to have Jenna Ortega. It's going to have Michael Keaton. Duh. It's going to have Winona Ryder. It's going to have Catherine O'Hara. It's going to have Monica Bellucci. It's going to have Justin Thoreau. It's going to have Danny Elfman doing the score. I'm very, very, very excited about this movie. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't even believe we get a sequel to Beetlejuice. I never, it's not even something I ever thought to want because it didn't see, and A, it didn't need it, but I'm excited about it nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad Catherine O'Hara is coming back. I hope mm-hmm. they come up with a really terrible backstory reason that Jeffrey Jones's character is dead. 
Yes. Yes. Oh, that's I, I love it when they do that when they kick somebody out of like a franchise or something because they're a terrible person and then <laughs> just like, oh yeah, they died and it was really horrible. Like yeah, it was they're the worst. It was the worst. <laughs> but yeah, we we've we've got a solid year and a half uh before this comes out. So Ooh. we eagerly but patiently await. So 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 that's the news. That's all we had. So we reached out to you across our socials to try to get a few more topics to talk about. And through Twitter, Instagram, and Discord, we got a couple questions. What's our first one? First up, the folks at Nightmare Junkhead on Twitter, friends of the pod. We have been on their pod. Uh, they asked... Is there a horror movie or horror franchise that is largely loved that doesn't connect with you? I hate to give the answer that I have to give because I know I well, one of the reasons that I've even seen these movies or one of the movies is because Nightmare Junkhead showed it on one of their I don't know. I think it was one of their Nerdoweens, um, which is the I think they showed 28 weeks later. Uh, but in addition to 20 basically zombie movies don't connect with me so much i don't like um survival after apocalypse i don't care for that i don't like viruses which zombieism basically is so i don't well it's not that they're not good movies they're just not for me i hate to break the news to greg in particular that i still haven't seen train to busan <laughs> so i'm sorry greg and i do intend to watch it eventually but the zombie of it all and the emotion of it all just haven't gotten to it yet those are just the movies that don't people love them i don't love them how about you i am also not a fan of 28 days later um uh... I think it's a amalgam of all of uh, a bunch of other movies that do everything a lot better. Uh, Don't break up with us, Nightmare Junkhead. Sorry. <laughs> um, but however, like for me, like I, uh, I think I talked about this when we were reporting the trailer for for the new um, Insidious movie. Those movies have never really connected with me, nor like I've tried to get into paranormal activity and I know a lot of people really love that franchise, like both of mm -hmm. those franchises and I don't get it. Like they're just not my thing. I, I don't, I, I think when you have like, for me, it's when you get like crazy with the world building and you start off with like a very simple premise and then it just like keeps going further and it's like, Oh, well, what there was this thing and there's, this and this and yeah i just i'm like uh no and you're like did you even know you were gonna do that five movies later i don't think you did i don't think you had this planned out and like you, yeah when they add stuff in you can just tell they're doing it yeah film by film i just i can't yeah i get that all right our next question from the weird machine on twitter our friend bredo brandon i'm not I call him Bredo. Other people call him Brandon. I'm not sure which one he prefers these days, actually. Um, <laughs> he asks, do you have a favorite on-screen death? And if so, what is it? Uh, 100%. Like, I, I like tried to figure something out that wasn't, like, this answer. And I was just like, no, this is the first one that popped to mind. And it will always be my favorite. And it is the um, liquid nitrogen uh head freeze and smash from jason x that's hilarious because my favorite is the sleeping bag smash from <laughs> friday the 13th part 7 and i will extrapolate that out to another even better i think sleeping bag sleeping bag smash which is in this little indie film that i'm not sure many people saw but you should see called tonight she comes where they jason smashes one time and it's done this requires many more smashes, so it's therefore better. Um, as far yeah, as the sleeping bag smash. There's that rumor that like there is footage of the longer sleeping bag smash, but they had to like take it out, and it evidently was originally supposed to be like one of the most brutal kills, which is why when they did the reboot, um, Friday the Thirteenth, like it's there's a real nasty one in that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um. So what we did is we also reached out 
to you because like we are watching VHS 99 uh, for, for this episode. So uh, I wanted to know um, what everyone's favorite VHS segment from the entire franchise was. Um, the general consensus by a, a, a not inconsiderable amount is uh, Safe Haven uh, by uh, Timo uh, Tahanto. I I apologize. Sure. And Gareth Evans from VHS2, um, which is about uh, a cult uh, where things go horribly, horribly wrong. It's a VHS segment. Of course, things go horribly, horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, followed up with uh, Terror uh, from VHS94, which has a bunch of white supremacists uh, with a vampire. Um, and uh, also tied very closely, Ozzy's Dungeon from vhs Um 99 uh seems to be like the one of the new front runners um we'll we'll talk about what flying lotus did when we um get to our thoughts on that yeah as someone who's only seen just this one vhs i've got some homework to do safe haven is amazing um terror is also really great i'm a big fan of the original the, the first one from the original film um which is entitled amateur night um uh, got later spun off into the movie siren uh also from david bruckner nice all right thank you guys for giving us some content to talk about that was very helpful and always you can send us your questions and topics we would love to add them in absolutely and now it is time for our feature presentation for this episode <laughs> VHS 99, directed by Deep Breath, Flying Lotus, Maggie Levin, Tyler McIntyre, Johannes Roberts, Joseph Winter, and Vanessa Winter. Julie, what's it all about? Well, in VHS 99, we witness a hellish version of 1999 as social isolation, analog technology, and disturbing home videos fuse into a nightmare of found footage savagery, which is about the best synopsis you can get of any anthology movie without going into each segment <laughs> it is a uh, like a difficult thing to like really talk about an anthology movie like as an overarching film without just like talking about it as a collection of shorts yeah so Every- that said should we go through segment by segment is that how we want to talk about it we didn't discuss this in advance because that's we like to wing it yeah no let's talk about it like uh yeah, let's just go one by one by one. Um, uh, I will I will note that if you are familiar with the VHS franchise, usually there's like some sort of like tale that like sets up everything and kind of weaves in and out. Um, not so much with VHS ninety nine. There, it, there, it, it, it actually feels more like a like a tape that has been assembled than any of the other ones thus far. It's kind of cool. Yeah, there's little clips in between of you know someone playing with army men but that's bad that doesn't really connect anything it's just there it it, it, it is really cool though yeah i would watch an entire film of the, <laughs> the stop motion <laughs> things 
Uh, first up, Maggie Levin's Shredding. I'm glad that you wrote down the titles because I, as I was taking notes, I just kind of wrote down what I thought they were called, which I knew was wrong in almost every <laughs> single instance. Um, I liked this segment. I, I mean, I like really most of the segments in this. Uh, this one kind of it starts out real good, and then it kind of is like, oh, okay, it kind of dwindles a little bit for me personally. But, but basically, you've got. I, I just feel this one feels really 1999 as someone who yep. was grown and conscious of these types of people. It's very, let's film ourselves kicking each other in the balls and doing other dangerous stuff. And we're also a punk rock band kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. I also the music. Mm, uh, yeah. I, I would absolutely go to a bitch cat show if they were still alive. Didn't die tragically in this underground music venue the the music i like part of the reason like this works so well is because like if you're gonna go with a 90s vibe like you gotta like you gotta nail that music and like that sounds like the very you know 99 uh you know like your mm-hmm. letters to cleo or you know something slightly snottier yeah um, chick led pop punk yeah i want to say uh the music uh for bitch cat was written if you saw that valentine movie uh that they did uh for bloom houses um into the dark series on hulu um the, about the pop musician um hmm. the, the woman who did that i should know her name she did my old podcast <laughs> oh no <laughs> the entire episode on it um but yeah, no, like this is, I, I feel like this is of all of them, the one that feel like at the very beginning, though, it feels very like it just, they stole this and then put something else into yeah. it. Yeah. The way it has the fast cuts and the, you know, the, the font that comes up, all that is just very like, oh God, am I watching a segment in between videos on MTV? Like it just, yeah, it really Mount nailed the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, early jackass. Yeah, very much so. Uh, yeah, but it does kind of meh. like the the ending is interesting, but I feel like there's way too much like explanation required as to like why this happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just like I feel like a, a a really good anthology segment. Just like you don't you just get it and you go. Like don't waste your precious time. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like you didn't have to tell us anything about why they might come back. That they died tragically, and now you're on their sacred death spot. That's enough. We don't need anything else. Yeah, we're good. Um, one that is uh okay. Uh, so next, uh, suicide bid written by and directed by Johannes Roberts. I mean, you want to talk about my worst nightmare, <laughs> and largely why i chose not to pledge any sororities this poor girl gets locked in a coffin and then they leave it's awful it's, and it's absolutely yeah and spiders total nightmare um there was so i'm super claustrophobic we've addressed that please don't kidnap me and, and put me in a box um part of the reason is when i was young i watched some movie or some horror tv show something where some woman was in jail and her plan to escape was to go out into the coffin of the next person who died and then the groundskeeper would dig her up. And she got in the coffin and then she's down there and she's like, let's see who I'm in with and lights her lighter and it was the groundskeeper who was supposed to dig her up. And like that has haunted me all this time. I have no idea what it's from. If anyone knows, please tell me or don't. I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. But this very much has that vibe. Like They're like, we'll, you know, you can ring the bell, we'll let you out. And then the girls leave and also they're awful sorority girls anyway so they probably wouldn't have dug her up even if they hadn't left oh yeah it's god yeah it's uh very uh also very satisfying like i feel like a good anthology segment like comes back to it uh yeah but that's a oh man i will say that these actresses did not commit to 1999 eyebrows and that definitely they have full eyebrows. Yeah, it took me out of it. I was like, I understand this is a low budget, basically short film, but let's overpluck, ladies. Come on, they'll grow back. You just do it the once. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Like the the like 
the look was a little yeah you're just like oh you're cosplay like the kids in that first one like 100 percent looked yeah it's like oh this is from 1999 and it turns yeah. out it's like one of them is like the director's son um yeah yeah so suicide bit is good the to me they could have backed off a little bit on the um the ghost of the girl who had apparently had this happen years ago mm. we it was scary without that it didn't i didn't think we needed that so much but it was it did add it was you know addition to the scary and and if you're not claustrophobic maybe you needed that to be scared i did not need that i was already like ooh <laughs> yeah like let's just add in spiders and drowning and a monster <laughs> throw a snake in there and i am dead of fear <laughs> if i wasn't already <laughs> uh the as, as mentioned earlier as being a current uh upcoming favorite of all the uh installments uh the zoe cooper and flying lotus written flying lotus directed ozzy's dungeon is a technicolor nightmare it is brutal and disgusting which are compliments <laughs> it's it was the one where I all I heard was, hey, Flying Lotus directed a segment for the next VHS movie. And it's about like a weird sort of like double dare game show. And I was mm-hmm. like, cool, like I'll that's not going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that, that's a, that that sounds like damning with faint praise. But I was just like, oh, no, there, there's no way really, this is not at the very at the very least. This is going to look amazing and be very entertaining on that level but this is just oh yeah yeah i mean if you grew up in the double dare generation this is this is going to be exactly your jam i think anyone who grew up watching double dare wanted to be on double dare and didn't think of the possibility of how how wrong it could go and it just keeps like and what's so crazy is like when you think it's pretty much over then it just goes beyond. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it. It's like, and that's the point where I think much, much like um the 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 first segment, shredding, like that's where it could have gone wrong. Like that's where it's just like, ah, oh, we were doing so good. And then it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, no. We're 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 on another level now. Yeah. Yeah. This one goes beyond in a way that works. That you're like, oh, there's even more behind the scenes of this show than we realized. And it's, wow, that's something. Mark Summers would never. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Chris Lee written, uh, co-written with director Tyler McIntyre, The Gawkers, is the one that uh, takes all of those little interstitials and brings them into, uh, it was all leading up to this. Yeah, this one is simultaneously like oh god everything i hated about teenage boys and and, but then it you know they get theirs in a really interesting way they get their comeuppance i i'm i'm going to say that this is probably like my least favorite segment but i do appreciate the fact that it is the most streamlined like it is Mm -hmm. it is just like did it you know it's it's just like a straight line of kids being shits taking advantage of something and then getting their comeuppance it's it's a yeah. very it's very streamlined and maybe that's why because i think all the other segments take some form of like risk or get a little weird this one does uh in what the actual comeuppance is but um yeah it just it, it feels like it's despite uh the topless and nudity um like probably the the most tame yeah Although it did kind of make me wish that we could get an actually scary and interesting Gorgon movie of some mm-hmm. sort. Like, I don't feel like we've had that, at least not that I've seen. And it could be cool. Looks really good. Like, I do, mm-hmm. like, the, the Gorgon in this is, just, like, looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the Blu-ray of this has some, like, really great, like, um, behind the scenes things of, like, how they, like, there's actually, like, an entire headpiece that they make that she wears and like her whole like makeup process and everything it's really really cool that's cool uh 
and then the the final installment written and directed by vanessa and joseph winter it is to hell and back possibly the weirdest one yeah which is saying something like coming after yeah. ozzy's dungeon like it's like oh how can we get weirder and it's just like oh man we're going to hell literally literally hell and uh, meeting a little weirdo named mabel <laughs> mabel uh you may recognize uh mabel um you probably won't actually you'll wonder it's like she seems familiar she uh she was in deadstream um mm-hmm. she was the one of the two leads in that and man um my favorite thing about this segment is that it is yeah arguably the weirdest but i guess there was supposed to be another director oh uh and they had to drop out and um yeah uh the producer josh goldblum evidently um just happened to get to see deadstream right as they were doing that and so he was like i need them yes them um there is there is on the Blu-ray very fantastic. There's a commentary from all the directors, but there's also like a full hour long panel from New York Comic Con oh, uh, wow. with like a lot of the filmmakers, but the the winters are part of it. And so it's nice to get to hear a lot from them about like how they kind of got dropped into this last minute. But oh, man, it's pretty it fucking looks, good for last minute. Yeah, it looks so good. Um, uh, That is uh, we talk a lot about production value on this show i feel like where it's just like a good setting can get you really far and i guess this is somewhere in the desert in utah yeah and it looks like maybe not how you imagine hell but how you will now yeah for sure yeah oh god the like the creature designs and just like the the bat thing and the mer woman just like good yeah yeah i mean i know that everyone else is all Ozzy's dungeon but i think this one's my favorite and that's kind of saying a lot because i did not love deadstream at the same level that you did i i liked it fine but but this i really liked i thought it was funny mm-hmm. and also scary and mabel was somehow charming and also weird i mean maybe because they named her mabel which is just kind of an adorable name for a damned soul <laughs> Yeah, I guess there were several different accents that she went through and before that one. And it's just like, oh, no, that's she's yeah. been there for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> that actress nails it. Absolutely nails it. Yeah, it's very weird to just be like, you're disgusting, but cute. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> it's got um, Zool. No, not Zool. The, who, what am I thinking? You know, Gozer. Gozer yes. I was like, who Zool becomes? But I don't know if that's exactly how it goes down. Yes, she's got Gozer vibes. <laughs> yes, yes, very, very, very much so. But yeah, like it's it's definitely like the most fun. Like yeah. despite despite how horrible it gets at various points. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that like a party hat never comes off. Yes. And you know, I love a bumbling coven of witches who don't quite get it right. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah, it, it's the perfect one to end on, I mm-hmm. think, like because it like it kind of brings everything up, but it's also just like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do notice. I didn't notice this because I think I didn't watch through the credits or I didn't pay attention. But in the Wikipedia, it says as the credits end, the witches can be heard performing the ritual again. This time, calling Mabel's name, hinting she will return to Earth. So maybe we'll get a Mabel feature. I hope so. It's so weird. I rewatched it after that. And I'm like, I still don't hear it. Like, I don't like. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's Wikipedia, so yeah, not always true. <laughs> not always true. Um. Yeah. So, uh, that's that's out now on Shutter. Has been for a while. Comes out on Blu-ray on the 23rd of May. It's got a yeah. ton and, of great extras on it. Yeah, it sounds like the Blu-ray is really worth it. If if this is your jam. Yeah. Um, I I was like, oh, yeah, I'd like to see the extras. And I was like, oh, man, there's a lot. Yeah, it's like three hours worth of bonus features. It will allow you. If you want to, you can dive into it. Awesome. So I would say we recommend it. Yes. And other things we recommend. Um, yeah, start us off. 
Uh, I would like to recommend, uh, as I have several times, uh, Deadstream um, from the Winters. Um, if you would like to see more of actress Melody Stone, as well as Joseph Winter. Um, uh, but also, um, there is a, the, the, the final uh, Amicus Features uh, anthology film uh, from Beyond the Grave. Uh, is streaming on Tubi. Uh, and if you like a good 70s sort of like hokey anthology movie, this is maybe not the best, uh, like, but I think it's the most consistent of all of them. Um, and it's got Peter Cushing in it. So um, it's great. I chose a couple of anthologies that I think might be underseen, although maybe I don't know what people are watching, but I feel like I don't hear about these as often. One is Southbound, um, which is, Every everything is interconnected in a way, even though they're anthologies, which I like. You know, you kind of have to watch the whole thing, and then you're like, oh, "I see, okay." And it's also kind of a road trip movie in a way, which is really cool. And it's got a lot of great stars, a lot of great directors. Uh, you can see that on Tubi, and then also XX, which is all female directed um, anthology. You can see that on Hula, Hula, Hulu, Hoopla. Tubi and others it's it's all over the place um that has some great segments too that I kind of were in the running for my favorite segment and the question above but it's it's worth your time yeah if nothing else uh watch it for uh Karen Kusama's like final thing don't read anything about it just just watch the movie and yeah her, her her segment it will um make you pleasantly surprised yeah yeah it's a good one. now it's time for i'll be right back where we talk about what we got coming up in the next couple weeks what do you have going on well we're in this horror drought so i really don't have much i'm still working on yellow jackets trying to think if there's anything else i'm eager to catch but i i just really don't there's not a lot new coming out unless i'm missing something just waiting for some stuff to hit shutter probably catch up catch up on the joe bobs that i've been missing if if there's anyone out there who enjoys my live tweets of the Joe Bobs, you will notice that I have not done them because I have not been catching them live. So catch up on those on Shutter. How about you? Um, I am looking forward. Like the only thing really that's like I've got a bunch of books from the library uh, that I'm intrigued to read, including Erica Wirth's White Horse, a book called Mother Thing by Ainsley Hogarth. That sounds great. Um, but uh, looking forward to the Chattanooga Film Festival. But that's not like till June. Yeah. End of June. Um, but I think what we've both forgotten is that Sun a, a week from the day we are recording this um, will be uh, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. Oh, on right. On a Shutter. Uh, so I am very excited to uh, grab some popcorn and stream that sucker to the TV and see who all won. Um, yeah. Good uh, call. I'm almost wondering if we should try to live tweet that. Maybe so. Let us know. Tell us. Yeah. Like you make also, the decision. Yeah. Let us, tell us if you want it. I never know what people actually want. Also, if you are catching up on some Fangoria content that maybe you missed, I would recommend the Boulay Brothers Halfway to Halloween variety show it was really fun um yeah so um that's all we got going on but i think i feel i'm very excited about the chainsaw awards yeah that'll be fun um we got stickers email mm -hmm. us at carnagereportpod at gmail.com if you want one um we'll give you an address to which you can send a self-addressed stamped envelope and when we get it we'll slap a sticker in it or two and maybe even a button yeah because we have those too you sent me so many buttons I sent you pretty much all of what I had left. I kept only a few because you're more social than me on the regular. 
So I thought you had a better chance of giving them out. <laughs> yes, uh, I, 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 it was funny because I was just like, where did I put them? Where did I put them? And I put them in a very specific place so I wouldn't forget them. Um, and now I need to put them in my bag so that I can just like pass them out like candy. And if needed, we'll do another run before Crypticon since Nick plans to have a presence there and I might as well. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Carnage Report. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Report Carnage. And we can be reached via email at carnagereportpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make any suggestions for upcoming episodes or just share your thoughts or ask us questions, that was fun. We really enjoy that. So yeah. please interact with us. We love it. It is. It is a lot of fun. All music featured in this episode is by Steve Spacek, my brother, who you can find on Instagram at Starling Woodworks and at nodder.bandcamp.com. Julie, where can they find you on socials? I am at Dark Humor Girl everywhere you're looking for me, mostly on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. How about you, Nick? I have many aliases. I am <laughs> Nuthouse Punks on Twitter. I am Nick Laus Mouse on Instagram, and I am from and inspired on Letterboxd. Nick likes to diversify. I do. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next episode with another roundup of the latest news hopefully there is some in horror and we will talk about who sarah the bone woman directed by michelle garza cervera nick tell us about it valeria has long dreamed about becoming a mother after learning that she's pregnant she expects to feel happy yet something's off i've been hearing many good things about people who've been watching this on shutter and i am now very eager to watch it myself yeah i'm excited about it apparently if you don't like bone cracking Ooh. A heads up on this one. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. The the sound design I've heard is really top notch. <laughs> Not to be watched with headphones. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye.